Welcome back to The Consequences Podcast with Paul McNulty and Sean McCreevy. Hello everyone. Welcome to Paul and Sean on the road. It's uh, August the 7th. Uh, We've just uh, had a very enjoyable few hours recording a couple of podcasts uh, covering How Dare You and the Deceptive Tourists. And uh, we've and that's been at Paul's house and we're now uh, we've left Chawton and we're on our way to Stockport where we're going to be meeting with Peter Wadsworth at Stockport Museum and uh, I think it's important at this point to say that we're just two days away from the re-release of Consequences Paul so we are and I haven't even ordered mine I'm relying (laughs) on you you. lending me yours (laughs) yeah I I think I'll be be scanning the the booklet for you won't I Um, yeah at this juncture, we're, we're kind of toying with the idea of trying to organise some ramshackle listening event for it. Hopefully through the Godly and Cream Facebook group. We're trying to get our heads around how we can achieve that. But it would be... We're very excited about sharing a bit more of a dialogue with some of our new friends that we've met through the groups that's Godling Cream 10cc and now with the Eric and Graham site as well we've had some fascinating comments and feedback haven't we in the, the three months putting out the podcast we have it's really gratifying that people like what we're doing and uh, well some do yeah well even uh, yeah but any kind of comment is better than no comment at all yeah. so you know much appreciated anybody who's taken the time to to say what they like or don't like about what we're doing I really appreciate that yeah definitely it's been a it's been a thrill for us I think we said at the outset that we we would have recorded this into a vacuum just for our own getting it off our chest after all these years really (laughs) but to find 200 regular like-minded souls has been an unexpected thrill from my point of view yeah it's been it's been brilliant and loads of, of fantastic insights uh, we get private messages and, and public posts on the groups um, everyone bringing their own perspective and their own interpretations to things it's nice to hear that some people's eyes have been opened to things that they've previously ignored or not understood but likewise we can say uh, as well that we've we've had you know, misunderstandings, misapprehensions of our own that have that have been um, thrown open by by the comments. It's been it's been so good, and we've had a number of people offering contributions to future episodes as well. Mm. And I'm excited about including some of those people uh, in some podcasts that that are coming soon. What what I find interesting, just going on about consequences, as is that. It does seem to have its own fan base that that is separate from a 10CC or yeah. even a Godly and Cream fan base. Some people have discovered this album as a as a thing, um, uh, separate to to anything else, yeah. uh, and that they are satisfied with that. It has its own. It exists within its own universe almost, and I like that. Yeah, definitely. Not not just as as a record. It, in its own merits you know it stands alone doesn't it as a completely unique work but you're right it has its own audience as well mm. and we're both really hoping that it finds a, a bigger audience 
when it comes out on, on Friday. It's going to be very interesting to see how it is reviewed. Um, I, oh, you heard us talk about talk about this numerous times, and particularly in in the episode that we did in that with that interview where we were really lucky to speak to Ken yeah. Elephant, and we were talking really talking about how 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 I think it is going to be reappraised this work and that now is a time I think um, I hope it's going to be reappraised honestly Paul and and that people reviewing it aren't just going to google previous reviews of it and regurgitate those well, it's very point. easy isn't it to to label something as rock dinosaur or you know flamboyant prog rock and all the rest of it I'm really hoping we don't have lazy journalism going on here. Yeah, well, for that, they're going to be required to actually listen to the thing in its entirety. Mm. So it depends who's... Let's hope they do. It depends who's dispatched to actually do the review, doesn't it? Yeah. But there's enough intelligent journalists out there to to really hook onto it and listen. I I, I think... I really think it's going to be... um, it's going to get some good positive reviews if only because it's been so underrated all this time you know it may swing back and i won't say it'll be overrated but you know things they swing in a pendulum fashion don't yeah. they yeah um also there's the added the element of climate change um whether that was intentional at the time it was just nature fighting back uh, against man's you know unthinking uh, way of the world and, and uh, you know climate change is almost the biggest world issue isn't yeah it? it's particularly, easy, particularly for young people yeah it seems almost crass to to, to, to yoke consequences to that yeah. but but you know that that's the sort of thing that um, that journalists I think probably may pick up on no, I think it's, it, it was a very prescient album if that's the right word predicting what you know one of one of the main crises we've got facing us right now. Something that, that really fascinates me, Paul, is wondering how closely Kevin Lowell are going to be following its second reception. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Well, Kev was kind enough to respond to our podcast himself. Yeah, we were thrilled by that. We were very thrilled that he took time to listen to... He was talking about the Ken episode again. And uh, he said, didn't he, what did he say... Um, Let's hope that this time it doesn't have um, external musical forces that, that make it sort of obsolete. Uh, you know, he's kind of referring obliquely there to punk. Um, that was sort it. Of waiting outside the disco to beat him up. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I think uh, he and Lol must be anticipating um, the reaction this time round. Uh, it's interesting that they held back the re-release of Consequences. They didn't include it on the Body of Work box set. Yeah. And at the time, we just thought maybe that's because they really didn't want to... Just in re- denial of it yeah, ever, yeah. ever happening. But they were obviously holding it back for, for, a, for a separate release. Yeah, and I'm, I'm thrilled that it's coming out in a, uh, in a box, a tin, I believe. Right. Five CDs. Uh-huh. Yeah. Half of which, are, if you can have half of five... Uh, a, a kind of regurgitations of the, the the other related releases like music from Consequences, and I think the promo a release, pro, a promo edit. Yes, I mean the only disappointing thing is, as far as we're aware, there is no actual new material on there. Mm. Um, Apparently, there are no outtakes. It would seem. 
Yeah, that's right. You know, I did contact the mastering engineer, or attempted to, Andy Pierce. Yeah. Um, and he, he did. He did respond on on LinkedIn, but it was a relatively uh, short response. And and when I tried to go deeper, uh, he didn't. He didn't respond to that because I, I just wanted to know exactly what they did and what they were working with. Yeah. He, I think his quote was it. It's remastered from the original tapes. And I'm not, I'm, I'm I not think sure. I think that he's he's talking about the master tapes. Yeah, he's not talking you know, about the, the, the quarter inch yes. as opposed to the the multi tracks. Unfortunately, I think that's the case. Yeah. Yeah, and speaking of which, I also I contacted Stephen Wilson a couple of times actually over the last sort of two or three years. Yeah. I know he's a big fan of the record. He's even got a, a page of his website yeah. devoted to it. Yeah. And he's. He's the go-to genius for 5.1 surround mixes, yeah. and I know that uh, that a, a few of our Facebook friends and I would uh, sell what remaining organs we have <laughs> to to hear uh, well, a, a surround you've mix sold of it. One kidney to hear the long version of One Night in Paris. That's just right. Be careful, you sell a spleen or something. Yeah, so I may have to borrow a kidney there, Paul, just to survive this one. <laughs> but I wonder if we'll be surprised whether there, there's something. There's something more coming. I've never known an album that's that's more suitable for for that glorious surround treatment. Yeah. And then we could we could use it in our in our fantasy stage version, couldn't we, Paul? <laughs> I'd love to sit in a theatre in the dark and be surrounded by Blint and his chums and all those gizmos. <laughs> it's a. Uh, so many people, including ourselves, can't believe our luck at the, the timing of our podcast. I mean, we, we were just doing this on a whim mm. as a labour of love. And then when you send me a link, Paul, to the Rough Trade website announcing it's going to be released in August, we, we had to pinch ourselves. And yeah. hilariously, a few people thought that our podcast had kind of sparked that. If only that were true. Oh, uh, yeah. No, we don't, we don't have yeah. that kind of influence. It's just a very happy coincidence, I'm afraid yeah. to say. Yeah. And uh, looking forward to seeing the 10cc exhibit at Stockport Museum shortly. I've seen some photos posted up on the site. Uh, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting to hear a, f- a few more insights from another person who, like us, is in love with this band and, and their universe. That's right, and we might just have to swing by uh, up the road to the um, to the Waterloo Road to, to stand outside the uh, the hallowed turf or hallowed concrete of um, Strawberry Studios. Yeah, if, and, if only for my benefit to see the blue plaque. Yeah. <laughs> and round, round, fell out of my boat. Swam around, swam around, started to float. Floated round, round. Yeah, we're here today at Stockport Museum uh, with Peter Wadsworth, who is the strawberry historian who has uh, completed a PhD, no less, on on the history of Strawberry Studios, which is an amazing document. It's really fascinating, so detailed, encyclopedic. It it is, um, which we've just heard will um, hopefully be turned into a book um, at some stage in the future. You obviously... um, 
one of the main drivers for the for the brilliant NTC exhibition here at the museum. Could could you explain how that how that worked exactly? Well, out of the PhD, I've obviously collected lots of uh, memorabilia to do with strawberry. So we put on the temporary 20-month exhibition starting 2017, and now this that's morphed into the permanent display in the strawberry gallery that you can see here now. Right. And that's, that's where we are now, surrounded by some fascinating artefacts, sound clips, video clips. Yeah, so, uh, it, 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 it's a, a small space, but it's, it's absolutely jam-packed with isn't it? Yeah. fascinating artefacts. Where do you want to start on, on our tour here, Peter? Let's start in the corner with the um, 10cc albums. Sure. identify that song but uh, Peter rightly um, told me it was Pig Bin and Gone is that my grumble which right. was 10 cc basically mm. yeah was it a single was it a part of a it was single? single yeah right mm. okay I, mean, I don't think this one I think it was the b-side but uh, right where, where, where exactly does that one fit in the timeline Peter that would have been um, kind of 71 72 so before they became 10 cc um, sure but they were putting out so much stuff under different names yeah. for other people. I lose track. You myself. do lose track, yeah. I don't think anybody actually has a complete list. It's uh, it's lost in the mist of time. Certainly the band have said they didn't realise half the time what, what they were working on. Yeah. I think it was very much like a conveyor belt, so just churn things out and they probably got lost with what they did. Sure. So we've got a video playing of quite a lot of the people who recorded at Strawberry. And what's interesting is the kind of variety of people. So you've got the Buzzcocks, through to St. Winifred's school choir. Yeah, I saw Harry Seacombe's name come Harry up Harry Seacombe would have come, yeah. <laughs> Ken Dodd would have been here in the 60s. Yeah. Leslie Crowther. Santa Claus is on his way, there's gonna be a holiday for all the family. Everybody's homeward bound to be in time to gather round the Christmas tree. Uh, yeah, all those kind of Granada. Because um, Granada used strawberry uh, a lot so yeah. for any of their pop programs, I don't, I don't know if you remember Lift Off with Aisha. Yeah, I do. Um, yeah. So in those days, you couldn't just mime on TV to a record. Right. The musicians' union said you had to mm. do an element of pre-recording. So right. anyone who was on Lift Off would have come to Strawberry first to do a kind of pre-recording, um, and that was used for miming too instead of the actual record. Sure. Wow, fascinating. And most it's, of those have been wiped brilliantly, yeah, yeah, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. Is it an urban myth that the Coronation Street theme was re-recorded at Strawberry? I don't know about Coronation Street, but Brookside theme was definitely done here. Really? Because so, um, we got um, two of Strawberry's engineers, Richard Scott and CJ, to come in when the exhibition was on to kind of give us their memories, and I asked them to pick out their top five and CJ picked out Brookside theme as one of his top five, <laughs> which was interesting. Yeah. But, I mean, Coronation Street could have been recorded here. Yeah. Not that I'm aware of. I quite of. like Brookside theme. It's got a, a bit of Vangelis to yeah, it. Yeah, a bit I of think. an 80s feel to yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so, we've got the video playing just to remind people. And then we've got our first nod to 10cc with the four albums, their first four albums recorded in Stockport on the wall there, the nice covers. Mm. Um, in the original uh, exhibition, the temporary exhibition in 2017, we had a whole corner devoted to how the studio started back in 1967. Uh, lack of space means we haven't got that here in this gallery. 
um, but started by Peter Tattersall in 1967, at a time when all recording studios were in London. So any yeah. professional studio was in London. So even if you're the biggest band in the world, the Beatles, you go to London to record. But Peter Tattersall actually worked for Brian Epstein. He was a tour manager for the Dakotas. Okay. And the story goes that one day he was with the Dakotas and he stepped out of the van that they were going to the gig in and got knocked unconscious by a group of screaming schoolgirl fans. Mm. And he thought to himself, there must be a safer way of making money out of the music industry. And he'd always wanted to set up a studio um, and he was very aware that all these regional bands were having to go to London to record. So the Manchester bands, Herman's Hermits, Mindbenders, Hollies, were all having to go to London. So he had this almost visionary idea of setting one up in the Manchester area. Genius, really. It is, because then it kind of spawned lots of kind of studios all over the country. But Strawberry, we say, was the first professional studio outside of London. We're kind of convinced that's probably true. Um, so Peter set it up, but realised very soon in 1967 that to make it work he needed money, because mm. recording studios were expensive things, obviously. Mm. So he turned to people he knew for financial backing, one of whom was Eric Stewart, yeah. obviously in the Mindbenders. Graham. He was Graham was the second uh, partner to come in. Um, and they brought with them in 68 Kevin and Lol, who were their friends. Mm. And so the four of them were basically in Strawberry from 67, 68 onwards, mainly as session musicians. Yeah. So for five years before becoming 10CC, they were just working in Strawberry, either backing other bands, producing other people. Um, and as we walk around, we'll kind of get a flavor of some of the things they did. Mm. There's a, an amazing mosaic just behind yeah, you this, there. this is Peter. beautiful. This was commissioned for the 50th anniversary exhibition in 2017. So we wanted something new that was kind of symbolic of Strawberry. Uh, I don't know if you know the kind of Affleck's Palace area of yeah, Manchester. I used to love going there. But there's all the mosaic work around there by an artist called Mark Kennedy. Um, so the museum commissioned him to do a piece for the 50th anniversary exhibition. All we said to him was, we want 10cc front and centre because they are really strawberry. Um, and we left the rest to him. And on it is Martin Hannett, Morrissey, Neil Sedaka, Paul McCartney, and Ian Brown, and then 10cc at the front there. So, lovely piece. In that iconic pose. Yeah, oh yeah. Probably one of their first publicity pieces. Public, yeah, that's right, based Where, on that. From a photograph near Strawberry, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, outside Strawberry, yeah. yeah. Which is, so, which is so um, that's oh, I, a, I like the juxtaposition of Neil Sedaka next to Morrissey. Yeah, the only thing about Neil Sedaka is it's based on a bit of a 1950s version of him, I think. So um, yeah, more O'Carroll. Yeah, 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 that's right. So. He did have better hair in the 50s and the 70s. So I think so. Yeah, but it's a classic Morrissey pose. Yes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, but that's draws. I love this. You, you don't sell um, prints of it, do you, by any chance? Not that I'm aware of, but um, yeah, maybe we should. Yeah. Good idea. Also, next to it is a silver metal strawberry that was taken off the wall in the building. Um, not um, strictly speaking from when strawberry was operating, but one of the companies who took over the building in later years had their own strawberry stuff put on the wall mm. and 
when they redid it, they gave us the strawberry. Right. So did they used to nice. rent sort of PA equipment and things? They did. In the basement of strawberry, um, there was strawberry rental. So um, yeah, lots of equipment and uh, instruments and things like that. Sure. Anybody? Has anyone got the brand now? Strawberry brand? No, no, no. Um, we've adopted it for the museum, but nobody owns the actual branding. Although I'm sure there might be copyright issues. We, yeah. we do actually ask Peter Tattersall to be minds us using it, and uh, we think he's the natural owner of it. So, right. Yeah. Okay. But people have used it. So. If we had a few quid, Paul, that'd be a fun investment, wouldn't it? <laughs> mm. Yeah. And remind us where the name came from, Peter, in the first. Okay. Place. So, I mean, originally Strawberry, when it started, was called Intercity Studios, which was a play on the British Rail advert. British Rail. We're getting there. So Intercity, Manchester to London, okay. so right, yeah. the idea of separating the studio from London. Um, but within about six months, I think the people involved thought we need a different name. The Beatles had just started Apple, so they wanted something fruity. Um, they toyed with names, um, Gooseberry, Banana. None of those sounded right. They actually, they were real working titles, No, they? I think they just... <laughs> apparently the story is that um, Eric Graham, Kevin and Lol, Peter and the secretary, Pauline Renshaw, were sat in the studio just bandying names around. Okay. Now, Eric then said, um, well, my favourite song is Strawberry Fields Forever. Mm. Why don't we have the strawberry and then we can use the advertising slogan Strawberry Studios Forever? Nice little play on words. So they all agreed strawberry, but then never used the slogan for some reason. But uh, okay. mm. so that's where the name came from. Okay. We were we were chatting to Pauline Renshaw, and we only only the other week via yeah. via Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was there. So she was the studio's first secretary, uh, and has got a great memory for things that happened. So originally, Intercity was uh, above a record shop in the centre of Stockport called Neil and Hardy's. Mm -hmm. So Pauline was there then, um, and then they were thrown out of that building. And there's two different stories as to why they had to move out. One was that Neil and Hardy's wanted the area for a canteen. The other was that um, the studio was considered to be a fire risk because mm. um, the Neil and Hardy's was next door to a black and white timbered building, um, still there today, and it's a listed building. So the story was that Neil and Hardy said, with all these cables you've got going up to the studio, you're considered to be a fire risk. So we, you'll have to get out. Mm. Um, ironically, Neil and Hardy's burnt down ten years later. So uh, nothing to do with the uh, intercity. So they moved out of that and found the Waterloo Road building. So uh, mm. which is where they moved to in '68. The building which is just next to where the Stockport air crash happened in '67. Paul so, was talking about this on, yeah. uh, on one of our other podcasts. Could actually. have been so different if the plane had crashed a bit further up. Absolutely, could have yeah, wiped out the whole building. Whether that had some kind of subconscious effect on some of the material that was developed later on well, Mandy and Clockwork Creek. Possibly, yeah. Um, um, Martin Hannock. But the building in Waterloo Road was an old um, 1890s, 1900s warehouse. Um, yeah. So it was an industrial building. Hence the lift that was used on various albums by different people. But Martin Hannett believed the industrialness of the building <coughs> contributed to the sound. Mm. Um, hard to prove, really, but uh, yeah, he thought so. I think bricks have have, have memories. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, I think he's got a I'm point there. Yeah. So the uh, interestingly, the metal pillars we can see in this museum gallery. Yeah. Right 
coincidentally, because they are here as part of this building, which is an old building, we're in the strawberry building as well. If you see many photographs, okay. the pillars, like that red one there, yeah. are actually in the strawberry building. So. And the one there with the black and yellow... Uh, well, we've tarted that up. Strikes. Black and yellow is the factory records kind of... Um, yeah, of course it is. Uh, so yes. that's why we've done that. So oh. that probably was red or black before that. So I can't. And it looks like you've, you've rescued some other artefacts from the studios we have. Just as well. Let me pause you at some of the pods here because we've got um, people's memories of strawberry. So as part of the original 50th anniversary exhibition, we went out and spoke to people about what their memories of strawberry were. Um, and different people have provided different memories. Mm. So for example, you've got the landlady from across the road at the Waterloo pub, mm. who obviously had a connection with strawberry because everyone who was recording in there would nip yeah. across. Rumour had it that Martin Hannett had a phone line through to the pub so that the studio could ring him up and ask him his advice on various takes. Now, whether that's true, I'm not quite sure, but uh, it's a nice story. Did the drummer join them in the pub? I, I just keep remembering that wonderful scene from the, from the film, 24 well, yeah. hours before um, the, the drummer's left doing his, his six seats on the roof. Uh, that wasn't a true story. No, there's it? lots of kind of because that was based on Tony Wilson's book, wasn't it? Yeah, 24 yeah. hour party people. Um, I think a few things might have been embellished. <laughs> like, <laughs> Bloody hell. Stop playing. I want to know when to stop. Well, don't worry about stopping. I'll send someone out when it's time to stop. And then on the next pod, we've actually got Peter Tattersall, um, who I'm sure we'll be speaking to because uh, he's got so many memories. Yeah, we're really looking forward to meeting Pete. So we've yeah, got he's just three things then. his birthday at the moment, so That's we right. don't want to interrupt his no, no, no. Many happy returns, Pete, yeah. if you're listening. And he will be coming to speak to us. Um, but we've also got some little clips of him talking about Strawberry's early days, because he was obviously Mr. Strawberry, so mm. he's the man who started it. Uh, and as you've indicated, he's still around today and uh, still remembering all the things that went on and conveniently forgetting other things as well. <laughs> I'm sure. He'll know what I mean. So this is an extract from something that's, that's labelled on, on this pod, Keeping It Stockport, Neanderthal Man, Neil Sadaka. Now that's enticing. They didn't, they didn't believe the sound was coming out of the studio in Stockport. In fact, people thought it was Americans studio first. Okay, so we've got a panel here that just kind of gives some of the main themes um, which we kind of introduced when we did the strawberry exhibition. So um, we talk about strawberry's position in Manchester music, uh, which is interesting because it was much forgotten, which is part of the reason I did the PhD, um, was that obviously from 1976, 77 onwards with the kind of punk explosion a lot of praise given to those kind of bands and factory records. Mm. But the fact that they could use Strawberry was often conveniently forgotten. And 10cc's role, they were often kind of derided. If you say 10cc to people and people just think of I'm not in love, soft kind of rock kind of song, yeah. and they're often kind of dismissed as just that. And it always annoyed me that they weren't given their due for um, being part of Strawberry. Which from six, the large club. Yeah, yeah, good. Um, but from 67 onwards, they were doing what factory records were praised for, which was they were standing up and saying, London doesn't have to be the centre of the music industry, uh, and we're going to do it here. And there's lots of quotes on here. Um, so I do like the Tony Wilson one at the top here, where he does actually say he recognised the fact that factory was able to plug into something that had been set up by 10CC's kind of success. Um, 
and it just this panel just kind of shows the kind of variety of people from Joy Division, the Smiths, the Stone Roses, kind of rubbing shoulders with the history of 10cc. Mm. Um, there's a little panel on the technology. Obviously, recording studios were technological places, and um, we started the exhibition in 2017 knowing that the iconic red desk mm. was in Strawberry in the kind of mid 70s to the late 70s. That's the one, yeah. The cherry red one that's kind of the visual kind of image of Strawberry, yeah. kind of rock and roll desk. Mm. We knew that was in Canada because mm. that was rescued by David Keane. Um, there's a nice trip for you to go and do a podcast. Like, <laughs> yes, please. Uh, but take me with you. Um, <laughs> Crowdfunding. So <laughs> that won't hold our breath. <laughs> yeah. So that's in Canada in a working museum um, as a working desk. Uh, he restored it, speaking to Eric and to Peter. Um, so that's now a working desk. Wow. What we then found was the desk that then took over from that one in about 79, which is the Formula Sound black desk on the right, yeah. is also in Canada. Okay. Um, is it a collector, a, a TCC official? No, it's a musician who's actually using it. Okay. So I don't know if you've heard of the band Mahogany Rush. Yeah. Um, well, the guy who is the lead singer of that, whose name I can't remember off the top of my head, hmm. bought the desk off Strawberry, he says, in the 90s when the studio, must be when the studio closed. Right. And he's renovated it and still uses it today. Wow. So still with all the analog circuitry yeah, yeah, and everything. Yeah. So um, again, a perfect trip to Canada because we can do kill two birds with one stone there. But, <laughs> so um, what what ten cc related material would have been recorded on on that later desk? That would have been Windows in the Jungle. If you're talking to the one that Martin engineered, yeah, that's right. So uh, obviously the red desk was all the early albums. Sure. Um, Did they have a, a kind of a duplicate of, of, of that technology down in Dorking? Yes. Yeah, so the Formula Sound desk, the black one, uh, the first desk they built was for Strawberry South. Um, uh, I've got you. And then Strawberry North had a kind of mirror desk. Um, so for a while they both had the same desk. The red desk um, moved across when they kind of put the Formula Sound desk in, they opened another building across the road from Strawberry, which they called Strawberry 2, which is important because it was then um, purchased by Nick Turnbull, who turned it into Yellow 2. Yellow oh, 2 then bought Strawberry in 1986, and for a while you had two studios running, same owner, two studios, but eventually they shut Yellow 2 down and moved everything into Strawberry, which kept it going a bit longer. Um, so the red desk sat in Strawberry 2 for a bit. Um, fascinating. Just studying the technology would be fascinating in itself. Um, I'm not technological, so it doesn't mean much to me in terms of circuitry and how sound works. But, right. uh, but it, I, I bet sitting at that desk, that red desk, would have been um, such an exciting thing it's to marvelous. do. Was, was it the first ever wraparound desk? Not the first, but it was one-off because they yeah. worked uh, with Dick Swettenham, um, who was obviously working with Helios. and. Uh, but it's one of the first ones, yeah. So and it's uh, unique because it was customised to yeah. their spe to yeah, Eric's specification. Hence the ashtrays built into it. And yes. Like yeah. that. Sorry, was that ashtrays or hashtrays? Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said ashtrays. But, <laughs> yeah. um, and also uh, later things like a button that would speak straight through to the kitchen. All the kind of important things. Um, right. And uh, an open mic where they could spy on on people. That's right. Yeah. Um, so that yeah. Well, yeah. Which is they used famously for a practical joke in the studio so yeah, well, uh, yeah. that's a great story you've done that story I bet already so. I don't think we've talked about it on a pod but no, um, well, well we practical jokes in strawberry you could you could write a book on uh, tell us about that one where the where the 
the band that they're not too impressed with are, yeah, are recording. Yeah, I can't name obviously, but. Yeah. Um... They thought that they were pinching their equipment to use for their own recording, so they thought, well, we'll um, we'll spy on them to see whether that's true or not. And um, <laughs> but it was a kind of a two-way thing, so yeah. they could hide in the cellar listening into what's happening at the desk but they could also play bum notes and things like that which is what they did Eric took a guitar down with that's him, right yeah um, so Peter sat at the desk engineering and every so often he'd hear a bum note and he'd say oh let's just do that again you played it wrong and they'd say no we didn't and they were kind of starting to just think well what's going on here um, so Peter knows nothing about this he didn't no. not when he was sat at the desk no, right. no. I mean the joke was as well as spying on this band, the joke was on Peter, as it often was. Mm, um, yeah. <laughs> he was the butt of many a joke. Yeah. Um, and then eventually they'd start sighing, so you could hear kind of a sighing noise coming out of the desk. Um, and eventually he twigged, he kind of went round the back and started seeing where the wires were coming from and twigged, but um, he said it really spooked them. Um, That's a, a great practical joke, isn't it? It, it is. It's only bettered um, by the one that was kind of Kevin and Lowell's um, mm. idea which was bricking up the control room. Yeah, um, so... And but isn't Peter showing somebody around? The he's studio? showing... So again, um, he's, the, he's, the, he's uh, the, the target of the joke. Yeah, that's, absolutely. That's so, harsh, but it? Um, it was when... Um, must have been when Consequences was being recorded. And um, he went off for a couple of days beforehand. And Kevin and Lol then, with Timber, must have set up a whole frame inside the control room and then put brick paper over the actual frame. <laughs> so as you walk in, you think you are just walking into a bricked up room. So, uh, and he obviously came in with his visitor and kind of did a double take. And he must have shat himself. He did, yeah. A very yeah. important client. Yeah, absolutely. Um, surely our boys would have been too busy with their masterwork. When well, they obviously they were having a couple of days off, obviously. <laughs> yeah. But I think so one of the things I looked at in the PhD was humour in the studio because yeah. you've got drugs, you've got alcohol. Um, but if you're in the studio for a long time, I think humour and jokes just kind of gets you through, doesn't it? It gives you something. And I think in terms of Kevin and Lolly, it probably took over, didn't it? Because you know what they were like yeah. um, with their kind of artwork and precise details. So they probably thought, well, we're going to do this. We're going to do it properly. Yeah. Uh, but have some fun all the way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's almost like being in an Antarctic outpost or something, isn't it? In yeah, a studio yeah. deprived of natural light. Well, yeah, was, right. well there was no natural no, no, light coming no natural into light, the, no, any no, of the rooms. No, 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 so, dark and so, yeah, it's very artificial. Yes. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sort of that environment that can, can drive you a little crazy. And then recreation, obviously. Uh, so we've got a couple of photos on this panel um, of New Order. Uh, and various Manchester people sat in the kind of recreation area in Strawberry where the pool table was. Yeah. And of course you've got the godly and cream practical joke with the pool table. What um, covered in bits of food and that's stuff. That's right, yeah. So again, with very much kind of precise planning, uh, Kevin and Lowell decided to play a joke on Peter because the pool table was his pride and joy. It wasn't owned by the studio, it was rented. Mm. Um, so obviously he had to keep it in good condition. So with precision, they kind of cut a piece of green felt and covered the table so that the underneath was protected. Hmm. And then they proceeded to trash it with food, drink, bottles <laughs> sticking out of pockets. Um, there is a photograph of their handiwork. Yes, of course, right. Peter walked in and hit the roof, <coughs> thinking that they had trashed the pool table. Um, but as I've said, Peter was the butt of many a practical sure. joke, and he'll happily laugh about it now. Yeah, sure. Is there any evidence of Peter getting his revenge on the chaps? 
Not that I'm aware of, but uh, when we talk to him, perhaps yeah. we'd like to ask him that. Yeah, yeah. good question. So there's a picture here of um, Unknown Pleasures yeah. by Joy Division, which is, would you say it's the most fated album of all to have been recorded well, at Strawberry? It seems to have a, a kind yeah. of mystique around it. I had an argument, well, a joke argument with Andy Burnham, the Mayor of Greater Manchester, because mm. we showed him around the exhibition right. a couple of years ago. And as I was doing my tour, um, I was showing them the 10cc section. And I said, obviously, the most important record recorded at Strawberry was I'm Not In Love for yeah. 10cc. And he took issue with me. He said, no, it was Joy Division, un Unknown Pleasures. Mm. Um, obviously he's of a different era. And yeah, we know where, where we stand. Don't yeah, we? and I yeah. know where I stand. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I do recognise that Unknown Pleasures is regularly voted in the top ten albums of all time. Yeah. So mm. it's influence, and it's, I think it's probably better known today, dare I say it, than some 10cc albums. But, mm. Oh, it is, um, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And still lots of young people uh, like Joy Division, so there's something there. Yeah, Joy Division resonates. have a, a cough that 10cc never That's managed, right. don't yeah, they? Yeah. Um, probably, I mean, obviously Ian Curtis um, died within a couple of years and obviously they only did the one album so I suppose that does help the kind of uh, iconic status of something yeah, like that. Um, but So yeah, Unknown Pleasures I would say is probably the most famous album recorded but I'll say I'm Not In Love is the most famous song recorded at Strawberry. Yeah. Agreed. Closely um, followed by There's No One Quite Like Grandma. Well, if you want to throw that one in. <laughs> well, it was um, a number one record. It was. It no, knocked John Lennon off number one. I know. Just after he'd been shot. Um, mm, incredible. So what? Christmas number one, 1980. Yeah. Grandma, we love you. Grandma, we do. Though you may be far away, we think of you. Um, Single-wise, I guess there was, you'll, you'll correct me if I'm wrong, three number ones recorded at Strawberry, Rubber Bullets, I'm Not In Love, at Strawberry North, and, yeah. and Grandma. Is that is that right? Or what, am I missing any more number one UK singles that were recorded here? Um, you're putting me on the spot there, but probably yeah. on off the top of my head, I'm probably going to agree with you there. Right. Um, yeah, but in terms of kind of sales, then I wouldn't like to estimate how many copies of all the kind of singles and albums that were made in Strawberry right. actually total to. And Peter produced Grandma, did he not? Well, yeah, there was a link there because I think his children went to St. Winifred's, so, right. um, and he really pushed for that because um, they recorded albums. They'd been to Strawberry from the mid 70s onwards, oh, okay. um, so they were regular visitors. Uh, I think he just saw the potential of especially at Christmas time, a children's choir singing about grandma or granddad. And granddad had been done by Clive Dunn, obviously, yeah, so, so mm -hmm. yeah. you go for grandma instead. Um, yeah. And I think it was particularly pleasing for Peter because it was a record he pushed and that he kind of stood behind when he might have been kind of ridiculed. Yeah. In terms of saying he was right, wasn't yeah, he? he was so absolutely right. So and that's how he got his own back. On yeah, the yeah. Well, there we are. Yeah. And he <laughs> obviously had an ear. He obviously had an ear for what worked. Um, and it was, like you say, just one of many sure. that he helped put sure. together. How did Peter balance his time between the office and, and the studio? It sounded like he was juggling. Um, 
Possibly. I mean, wasn't he, he was drumming up business a lot of the time, wasn't he? Yeah, he had a secretary, obviously the studio secretary, some of whom became famous <laughs> for contributing to records. Mm-hmm. Um, Pauline will tell you a lot about the kind of work of the secretary, because she was also, in the early days, drumming up custom. So she would go around trade fairs, but Peter obviously did that as well. Okay. I think in the early days he would have done a lot of engineering, um, and as the studio took off, it probably morphed into kind of the kind of admin side as well but again when we speak to Peter I'm sure he'll tell us exactly mm. what the proportion of time was sure but but fairly early on they had a did, did they have a retinue of full-time engineers Martin yeah, yeah. Lawrence and, yeah, yeah. And, and others Tony Spath and yeah Strawberry South oh he worked at Strawberry South okay um, but there were various engineers so Richard Scott um, who sadly just passed away would have engineered he did the more kind of classical traditional side of mm-hmm. music in right. a particular ear for that Mm-hmm. Um, and then later engineers, I mean there was a whole host of them, um, some of whom hopefully we'll talk to over the coming months because yeah. they've all got interesting stories to yeah, tell. So. Definitely. That'd be great. Dave Roll was on the engineering right, staff yeah, yeah. here, of yeah. course, when now a musician famous, in his own right. Famous the Egyptologist. Band, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. <coughs> so, I mean the variety of people who recorded and the engineers themselves, so um, I mean, obviously, if you're looking at engineers and producers, Martin Hannett, who was the factory producer and engineer, mm. was kind of instrumental in kind of pushing Strawberry from 77 onwards, because um, he particularly liked Strawberry, he liked the sophistication, mm. and then he brought in his own kind of digital te- technology into the studio as well. So, yeah. And now, by that time, am I right in thinking, even in Manchester, there was competition? Uh, there's a studio called Indigo. Yeah, uh, I mean, there was various studios in Stockport actually. So okay. you had Revolution, which started in Stockport, um, moved to Cheadle Hume, part of a Stockport suburb. Um, you had Pluto, which actually started above Strawberry. Mm. So for a time, there were two studios in one building. Wow. And then Pluto moved to Manchester. You say competition. Um, I think Strawberry had become so advanced that in terms of that technology there was no competition but obviously not everybody wanted that sophistication Mm -hmm. so if you're a new band even though Strawberry did cater for new bands Mm -hmm. um, there were other kind of um, less technological studios is how I'd put it um, who would set up even just within Stockport and one of the things we did in the 50th anniversary exhibition was say this is an exhibition about Strawberry but there were other Stockport studios and we had some memorabilia in from some of those Stockport studios which Mm -hmm. was quite interesting so for example in Stockport Marketplace which we're next to now um, there was a studio where the very early Simply Red before they were Simply Red recorded do you know what they were called? Before they were simply red, so fancy elevators. elevators, yeah. yeah. Right. Seen the picture sleeve with Nick Putnam with a gun in his mouth. Yeah, yeah, that's the one, yeah. So we had that in the exhibition. So, oh, um, but very interesting. So you he- can hear some early simply red songs done before they were simply red. Mm. And in my book, they're much better yeah. than when they were kind of um, overproduced later on. Yeah, yeah. 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 So. Fantastic. Talk us through, Peter, these fascinating display cabinets over here. Okay, so we've got two display cabinets. Um, one which we'd kind of say is the 10cc era of strawberry. And then the second cabinet, which is kind of looking at the later years after 10cc had left. So we've got various, um, obviously we've got a lot of 10cc memorabilia in here. So we've got I'm Not In Love, we've got a Neanderthal, Neanderthal Man sheet music. 
I'm not in love sheet music mm. uh, and a big kind of concert program pull out of 10cc sat around playing cards which was and that's is that from a tour program that is yeah that's from the 76 tour their um, final tour right yeah so wow uh, nice little visual display there yeah. there's that lovely roger dean artwork isn't there of the, there of, is. the of the space hymns that's album. Right. so we passed that church didn't we did, on the way yes yeah, so that's saint george's church not far from here yeah. um and obviously that's the ramesses album um which we went big on in the exhibition a couple of years ago. Mm. It's just such an interesting story. The, mm. the central heating salesman from Sheffield who <laughs> thought he was a Indi- second Egyptian coming. god, yeah. yeah. Um, so, and obviously he had 10cc helping me out on the album as well. Yeah. Interesting record, I think. That. Very interesting, yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, we had, uh, in fact, on the jukebox, which I'll come to in a minute, we have got one of the tracks on there. Other stuff in this, we've got three strawberry t-shirts and what we're kind of saying here is that, well two strawberry t-shirts and a how dare you t-shirt, but as the studio kind of progressed into the 70s, it almost becomes like a business, well it does become a business, but they're now promoting it with t-shirts and badges. Interesting uh, couple of items on a shelf here, so we've got a little silver strawberry. And when they went round the trade fairs we were talking about, they would have these little silver strawberries either to give out or to wear. The silver strawberry buckle is more interesting in that um, the studio had this idea in the kind of mid-70s that they would perhaps give all the bands who recorded in Strawberry a silver belt buckle to show that they had recorded in um, Strawberry. Okay. Um, I think they made about 20 of them and then realised how much it was costing them (laughs) and then stopped making them. So um, I'd love to get my hands on one of those. Well, we've actually got two for the exhibition, so we've got one in the case at the moment and one sitting back somewhere. Um, Excuse my ignorance, Peter, but what's the Spider-Man connection? Well, that's um, a bit of a tenuous connection, but... um, that song was recorded in Strawberry uh, in the 80s. Um, you mean Spider-Man, Spider-Man? No, not that no, one. No, no, no. Um, not the theme tune, no. It's just um, the studio was used for somebody who put together a, a Spider-Man record. So, oh, wow. Uh, in front of that one, we've got two records um, which are very interesting. We've got Manchester United mm. who recorded several singles at Strawberry. And in front of that, we've got Manchester City. City! Manchester City, we are the lads who are playing to win. Glory, glory, Man But they were just two of many football mm. and sporting teams who used Strawberry. So Everton in mm. the 70s recorded. Um, lesser teams like Berry recorded. Mm. Lancashire Cricket Club. Red Rum, the racehorse, didn't actually come into the studio, but there is a Red Rum song recorded in Strawberry. The ironic thing is um, that Stockport County never recorded in Strawberry, um, wow. which is a shame as a Stockport County fan. But, um, I guess I'm not surprised, really. I'm reading up about Harvey, who we're hoping to meet very soon, uh, and he had a lot of football connections, yeah, yeah. didn't he? He, he, he managed football, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's right, so there was a crossover there. Right. Uh, if you go on the Strawberry 50 website, which we set up for the exhibition, um, we've got clip, a clip of 10cc recording with Manchester City for that single. Yeah, that's um, great, seen it. A special edit that we have for the exhibition. Um, so you can actually see Graham, Lowell, not Kevin, Kevin seems to have disappeared off that one for some reason, <laughs> but Eric's in the control room 
Um, so quite an interesting, interesting little clip there. It seems like they're trying to herd cats. They, they, yeah, they yeah. Like they'd rather be anywhere else. I think Graham is particularly <laughs> getting annoyed with the players for not being able to clap properly and in time, oh. but um, that's understandable. Sure. Yeah. Uh, another album we've got in there is the Bay City Rollers, which was an interesting time in Strawberry's history because um, uh, I'm old enough to remember what Roller Mania was like. Mm. So, I, I loved that record. Remember yeah, well, yeah. Dancing to it at discos. Yeah. Um, and so obviously. Bye bye baby then. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and a whole album that was recorded at Strawberry. So at that time you actually had all the screaming schoolgirls outside Strawberry knowing that the Bay City Rollers were inside. Mm. You had them trying to climb through windows. <laughs> and we kind of made light of that when we were doing the exhibition. We were kind of saying, just think of all these girls, you know, screaming outside. Mm. But Kathy Redfern, who was the secretary, um, the lady who whispered, big boys don't cry, yeah. actually said to me, well, I was getting death threats off them. And she then produced the letter that she actually got, which we put in the exhibition. Um, it hasn't survived through to this one, wow. but where they actually said, um, you may be pretty now, but if we get hold of you, you won't be. And she had to have a police escort home most nights. So it was a sinister side They to were jealous well. because she was, she was in the studio, yeah, yeah. female in And they were, uh, the all these kind of 16, 17 year olds were thinking, you know. Bloody hell. Yeah, so the level of hysteria is, yeah, is yeah. quite frightening. Yeah. It was frightening, yeah. There's a great clip I've seen of Ed Stewart, I think, yeah. uh, with the basic uh, roles, basic roles yeah, yeah. in the studio in Strawberry. We had mm. that in the um, exhibition two years ago. So we had that little video clip running. Um, right. has, again, hasn't come through to this one. But sure. I think I've, um, we've answered an earlier question because if Bye Bye Baby and Give a Little Love were recorded at Strawberry, they were both number ones, right? I don't, yeah. I, yeah. See, I don't know yeah. my basic uh, no, history. So. My chart facts yeah, are yeah, lodged yeah. in the back. So <laughs> I'd have to check that. So I think we, our, our kind of um, count of number ones recorded at Strawberry. And probably a slew of number five. twos as well. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Neanderthal Man, I see there. The yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. there. Do you know why? Strawberry was chosen. I would have thought either London or. Well, I guess it depends where bands were record uh, touring at the time. So I suppose if they were in the region, it right. made sense because Strawberry could match any of the London studios. Yeah. Um, record companies started to know about Strawberry's kind of excellence. There was obviously some kind of. Um, elements of let's record where the, all this success has been going on. So you had 10 CC, obviously. Um, their success mm. so a lot of bands often came in Strawberry for Granada because right. they were recording those music shows so yeah. the basic rollers have probably been in Strawberry before mm. and perhaps liked it so various reasons I would have thought mm. moving on if I yeah, okay to move on um, there's a couple of obviously 10cc related albums we've got the two Neil Sadaka album covers oh, yeah. um, so obviously Neil made his comeback from obscurity by coming to Strawberry and using, well, pre-10cc, because the first one was recorded before they became 10cc, mm. but they were his backing musicians. Now, the reason he chose Strawberry, he was touring, um, he was actually at the Batley Variety Club yeah. doing a kind of cabaret tour, um, showing how far he'd fallen. And But I think there was also a record uh, company and management link um, I'm wondering whether Harvey was involved with that, there, actually. There, there is. Yeah, I, so. Well, for one thing, I know that Harvey heard Neil Sedaka play Amarillo mm. on, on the piano. When the day is dawning On a Texas Sunday morning How I long to be there 
and he was managing Tony Christie at that time. Right, okay. So that there was a link there. There was a link there. Um, in fact, going back as far as there was a link, wasn't there, with the bubblegum stuff? Well, that's the story: is that Stark had heard some of the stuff that had been recorded then. Yeah, there, mm. there ain't no one buffer. Yeah, yeah. I think so I liked really the sound. Liked. So, yeah. um, and Harvey was bigging up the lads. Wasn't yeah, yeah, he? that's right. So I can see why he ended up at Strawberry, but obviously he came back a second time as well mm. um, and yeah. got his success back as a result. And also, I think indirectly, that helped 10cc merge as 10cc. You know, why are we doing all this and just getting session musician fees? We could do something probably better for ourselves. Yes. Um, so there would be that thought process going on. Um, but it's good to say Neil Sedaka made his comeback in Stockport because it always fools people. And they are brilliant records. They are brilliant they are records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Shot brilliant. full of fantastic yeah, yeah. songs. Yeah. I agree. Well deserved success. And he obviously impressed. 10cc with his professionalism he would just walk into the studio sit down and start playing no mistakes that's the thing they he, always talk about he'd, no be mistakes. he'd be shocked if they asked him to go for another yeah, take that's right he? so yeah. um a true professional yeah uh, we did try to get him back in for the exhibition because he was playing in manchester but his schedule didn't allow unfortunately that would have been really good but yes, uh, yeah sure but he has spoken about it since because there was a documentary on bbc about him um yeah and where they showed a clip or a photo of him in Strawberry. So, yeah. uh, he, he, he very humorously, he seems to refer to the band as the 10CCs. Yeah, that's right. Know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, one final thing in this first case is <clears throat> the plaque that's in front of you. Yeah. So that is the original plaque that we got put on the Strawberry building in 2007. Hmm. And the reason that appeared was the Stockport Express, which is the local newspaper, um, worked with Stockport Heritage. They got some funding for 10 new plaques and they actually ran a poll in the Stockport Express to mm. say which 10 buildings in Stockport do you think should have a blue plaque? Uh, and Strawberry came second. Oh, fabulous. Quite rightly behind Stockport County, but that's just my bias okay. showing through there. Um, so we put the plaques, I put the wording together and unfortunately the wording got changed. Um, really? Because we submitted the wording to the Heritage Trust who were putting the plaques together. And for whatever reason, whatever wording we supplied got kind of changed slightly. And the, the annoying things are the first line, well, the date's wrong for a start, it says 68. Mm. Um, technically that's right, because that's when Strawberry started as a company, but obviously Intercity had started in 67. Mm. And if he said to Peter that what he was doing as Intercity wasn't the same as Strawberry, he would be very cross. Mm. So the date's wrong. It says association with the band 10cc, which I hate. It's it sounds, isn't it? it it's not what we said originally. Yeah. Um, so that annoyed me. And they also dropped off Joy Division, the Smiths and Martin Hannett, who we felt were kind of very important to Strawberry's history. So that was on the building for about eight or nine years. Um, and if you read Peter Hook's autobiography, he's pretty vocal in the fact that Joy Division wasn't on there. Yeah. Um, but for the 50th anniversary exhibition, um, I went to Stockport Heritage Trust and said, can we redo the blue plaque for the 50th anniversary? So the plaque that's on the building now has got Joy Division, the Smiths and Martin Hannett on there. And more importantly to me, apart from changing the date to 67, it now says home to 10cc. Yeah. That's what I wanted because Strawberry was 10cc's home, really. Yeah. Quite um, right. Job so, well, well, yeah, well plaque done. has you. been changed. So, um, Brilliant. The we'll, plaque on the building we'll, now. We'll pop round uh, after we grab ourselves a bacon sarni or something, Paul. We'll pop round, won't we? Yeah, have a look. Yeah. Have a look. So there's one at, the, one at the front and one at the back of the building. So. Sure. So we've also got a jukebox here. Um, 
which mm. has changed um, from the, originally in the 50th anniversary we just had the jukebox but this we've kept the video of ah, I wonder where that was. yeah we've got to keep this because we paid good money for this so uh, well, I love the museum this. paid good money for this, this, was this, is the, this is the Dean and I this session. is the Dean and yeah. I yeah. this was an educational this film. was a schools programme yeah. Um, yeah I do know the exact schools programme title but I can't remember it but what I love, um, we particularly draw attention to, um, is the fact that this is a schools programme. Uh, obviously a lot of impressionable young people watching this. And it just pans around 10cc, first of all, playing this in the inst their instruments. So the guitar you can see now is the one we had in the exhibition. Yeah, the um, red Gibson. Yeah, yeah that's be right. beautiful. Yeah, um, so that was sitting in a case in the exhibition. There's Graham with his Rickenbacker bass. Yeah. big hits behind them, 10cc settled down in the Strawberry Studios at Stockport to start work on a new single. This is the best bit. Remembering this is a schools programme, all these young children watching this and it pans to Peter in the control room. The first thing he does is he takes a drag on his cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't get away with that, Lee. That's every time it's brilliant. I've got some pictures of Peter stood in front of this video pretending he's got a cigarette in his hand. But, uh, it, it doesn't look like he's particularly enjoying the session. Yeah, yeah he looks yeah. worried. Yeah, yeah, he probably doesn't like the cameras being there because they all look a bit kind of... Um, this is, a, this is yeah. a recreation though, isn't it? It is, not, it's not yeah. true, yeah, they never did, they wouldn't record like this anyway. No, so. no but it's pretty, it's con just for schools. So you but it was done at the time, it yeah, looks yeah. like a, you know... Yeah, yeah. No, it was done at the time when they were in there. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> He's biting his nails yeah. there. <laughs> this is mother, mother <laughs> he, and another smoke. drag on the cigarette. But it does show the red desk quite nicely. Yeah, it's yeah. a beautiful shot of the desk, yeah. Um, no, it's superb. So as well as that, which we've, like I say, paid good money to <coughs> show there, um, We've got a, oh, the diary is the other thing I should mention. Oh, yeah. So in the first case, mm. we've got one of the booking <coughs> diaries from the studio. It's a lovely blue, yeah, uh, kind of like an A5 notebook, yeah, um, A4 notebook. And, and, and there's um, and there's a little label on the front, Strawberry Recording Studios, and then some doodles. Doodles, yeah. So one of the engineers or perhaps the receptionist might have doodled that. What we've done is we've digitised that so we can actually look through it Brilliant. without having to touch the original. Um, and there'll be more booking diaries somewhere but we haven't found them yet. So. I'd love to see some more. I mean I asked you uh, about you know documentation mm -hmm. and I guess it's, it's spoiled reading about the Beatles where everything is done yeah, yeah. at EMI and everything was catalogued. Yeah but nothing like that. That's unfortunate because I would love to know. What's sure. interesting about 8081 is you're getting the kind of crossover from kind of 70s work which is during the day mm. and then at night time you start to see factory records and Martin Hannett oh, booking yes. overnight I mean there are some interesting um, names in this diary so there's Martin with the nighttime booking because that's what factory were doing they were using the studio at night right so fascinating isn't it I mean the, the factory heads will have a field day looking through this yeah, yeah. Um, there's no band names associated with well, Martin Hannett there is there no no there are sometimes Buzzcocks are there. Mm. So, um, yeah. Joy Division are listed. So Kevin Parrott. Do you know Kevin Parrott? I know the name. One half of Brian and Michael. Matched oh, that's Lord right. Man. Yeah, yeah. It was actually recorded at Pluto above Strawberry. Okay. Um, but then they did various amounts of work in Strawberry. Um, you will eventually get to some 10cc relations. Yeah, because Graham is in here. Um, Basement 5 were a band. Magna Carta were a kind of folk band. 
And this is still 81, you said? This is, Peter, right? we're still 80, it's 18 to 81, Barbie back James to James Hardest. Oh, yeah. yeah, engineered by Martin. Martin oh, yeah. there was a Joy Division reference there yeah. on uh, the 14th of... I can't, don't know month, which month, I don't know, don't know which month we're in there. So. Of September. 14th of September, so. 1980. But that was after Ian Curtis's death, wasn't it? Yeah, well, you'll watch it'll change to New Order eventually, oh, so, yeah. which is kind of an interesting. Yeah. Sulfur Jets, yeah, another absolutely. Yeah. So you can, like you say, spend hours just looking. If we had every diary, booking yeah. diary, that would be superb. Wouldn't it? 10cc we're in. Did that say the Grumble Weeds? It probably did. Yeah. Wouldn't surprise me. I yep. still like them. Yeah. Saw them at Butlins, actually. Yeah. Same day as Bucks Fizz. Wow. Now there's a double bill, Paul. Yeah, yeah. There's also, um, I can't remember where it is, but there's two weeks ripped out of this diary, and we uh, puzzled about that for ages, but we think that's when the Formula Sound desk was actually installed. Oh, okay. And the red desk ripped out. Okay. Um, the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, no, you know, yeah there's, a, I mean, there's a photograph on the Strawberry website of them. You remember uh, the heebie-jeebies? Meaningless songs in high voices, <laughs> Angus Dayton, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and two others. But there's a whole album. Of, yeah, yes. Of, of, of Mickey I've takes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So, great album. Uh, That's Graham. This interesting, Graham Goulburn, not 10cc. So yeah. was this, would this have been the 10 out of 10 sessions when they were working separately, possibly? Yeah, so this is after look here, probably before 10 out of 10. So yeah, so... Animal Olympics? Possibly, yeah. No, after, I think that came yeah. out early 80. Oh, okay. Right, okay. Yeah, it would have been, wouldn't it? Yeah, you're right. Mm, um, fascinating. So, I mean, obviously it doesn't go into any more detail other than Graham's in yeah. using the studio. Um, yeah, there's just a pre-booking. There's no track sheets or there's no documentation of what was logged at a particular no, time. Unfortunately, not. Sure. Um, so then the rest of it is got another video there of Blossoms. I don't know. If Blossoms means anything. Yeah, yeah. You. So yeah, they mm. do. Big local band. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, my they to them. Yeah. Actually, came into Imagine FM, which is actually in the Strawberry Building. Mm. So technically, they recorded in Strawberry if you stretch it slightly. Mm. Right. So we've got right. a video of that. But other than that, we've got a nice jukebox here where you can choose music from different genres. Um, Just, sorry, we mind going back to that page with the, that's a very good illustration here of the uh, of how many important bands from that era played yeah. and are recorded here. The Charlatans, Inspiral Carpets. James. James, thank you. The Smiths who recorded Hand in Glove here, I think. Uh, and um, Charming Man. Yeah, this Charming Man. Right. Yeah. Joy Division, of course, Stone Roses, New Order, Happy Mondays. I mean, that really is the. Yeah, it's fantastic. So I mean, the, the that is the, that's the, the, the cream of the indie no scene, wasn't it? Of, of the Manchester the scene. new Manchester scene. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Here's, here's but here's the, the old, more traditional. So. Yeah, here's mm. the old Manchester scene. So basically, basically rolls. Yeah. Um, OMD's interested because okay. they didn't actually record in Strawberry, but it was um, engineered and then mixed in Strawberry which Martin Hannett did a lot. He would record oh. elsewhere, okay. bring the tapes back to Strawberry and then do all this mixing there. Got you. Um, so sometimes it's hard to know what was recorded or had a Strawberry connection. We've got some names on this part of the jukebox. So you've got the Ramones, who obviously Graham produced. Mm -hmm. um, that was recorded here, was it? Partly here, partly at Strawberry South. Okay. Um, Sisters of Mercy. Right. So you've got all sorts of strain. I'll Is that strain. Echo and the Bunnymen I can see at the top there? Where are you looking? The, the, the strange picture with them holding their arms oh, in, in a star shape. Well, that's Echo and the Bunnyman. Yeah, yeah, good spot. Well, yeah, well good spotted. Spot. Yeah. John Cooper Clark and, and the Buzzcocks. And then we've got the strange kind of, which is where Ramesses comes in. So we have actually got that. 
Do you know about Frankie Vaughan's Stockport song? <laughs> I think I've heard it. I think I should have to. Oh, I, I, I yeah, think there's, there's a vinyl version there is, in yeah, the display so this, cabin, uh, isn't it? That's interesting from a... Can we play it? We yeah. are playing it. I've travelled up and down this country From the Pennines to Land's End But if you ask my favourite place of all The answer isn't hard to comprehend I'm going back to Stockport There's nowhere that can beat it That's right, I tell you, Stockport Do you want me to repeat it? There's a very interesting story behind this Okay Which is the Mail on Sunday made a disparaging remark about Stockport in one of their papers And it sparked a kind of outcry from people around Stockport saying how dare you So as a joke they ran a song for Stockport competition Mm. Where people had to submit songs This was the winning song The person who wrote it said he'd written it with Frankie Vaughan in mind Mm. And they actually agreed to get Frankie to record it and he agreed um, he did the vocals at Strawberry oh. and turned up in a tuxedo with a bow tie and everything. So. <laughs> That's lovely. That's and this is ni- 1983? Yeah. Sounds right. like it was recorded in 53. Well, that's, I think that was the whole point. Yeah. And it was written by Jeff Morrow. Yes, yeah, so, so that, he, he that must have been a dream it. come true to yeah. have his idol sing the song. What, what so a it's used story. quite a lot. Um, we've got yeah. the United and City, we've got the Grandma. Yeah. Liverpool Lou by Scaffold is interesting as yeah. well. We, we, we had a chat about this um, last week, didn't we, Paul? Yeah, we featured it on the, Did the original okay. soundtrack and used your knowledge there because it is, I think I know what you're going to say, yeah, it's, the, it's only the only hit. With a gizmo. A gizmo yeah. 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 Yeah, Tragic waste of genius. You don't like the song, it's a lovely song. No, 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 what I'm, say, what I'm saying is, is, if only the gizmo had been used on the oh, hits, yeah, I yeah, adore I see, the I instrument. I've got my BDI on, on one down there, actually, Peter, as we speak. So a bit of Ramsey's here. I think Tentacy must have loved this kind of project mm. when somebody was coming in with some musical ideas, yeah, yeah. but something that they could add to. Yeah, yeah and, 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 and pour their creative ideas into. Yeah, yeah. A bit of Mike McGee's, obviously, that's and Paul a, McCartney. That's a great record, and it's just been released. It's just been released. I've not seen it yet, but... It's a, yeah, and Peter engineered all of this mm, one, yeah. right? Because yeah. 10TC were yeah. making sheet music at night, was it? That's and right. then this was the day shift. And has many a tale about Paul McCartney recording. So, um, oh, well, we're looking forward to hearing Including, yeah, well, he'll tell you them, but uh, things like Paul parking his very expensive sports car in the strawberry car park, hmm. Peter being aghast, you know, they'll get vandalised if you leave it there, and it wasn't touched, so... Uh, hmm. <laughs> But some great music because obviously that's what Strawberry was about. It's fascinating music, so. jukebox that is. Um, so that's there for people to listen to their favourites. Brilliant. Just moving on to the second case now, and this is a mix again. So we're kind of moving on from the early Strawberry years. The kind of best bit for me, and the kind of best bit of the 50th exhibition, was the fact we've got an original Gizmo or Gizmotron in the case, um, because um, when the exhibition was being set up. We realised that this new company in America was starting to manufacture the gizmos again. Yeah, the, the one at the bottom is there, the new Peter, one. Yeah, we, Mark we, II. We yeah. bought. Uh, we got invested uh, in, in, a, in a black gizmo. Yeah, so that's right. So, um, so we got in touch and said it'd be great if we could show what has happened to the gizmo in the exhibition. Mm. Um, and Aaron said, "Yeah, that's fine," and said, "Is there anything else we can lend you?" 
and jokingly I said, well, yeah, an original gizmo would hmm. be good. And he said, oh yeah, I've got plenty of those, because he'd collected them all together <laughs> oh, to goodness. try and work out what had gone wrong. So hmm. he lent us the 1970s version, wow. um, which is a bass guitar one, obviously. Hmm. Um, and then he's then donated it to the museum, so that's now on permanent display. That's fabulous. Hmm. And on the wall, we've got various bits from the gizmo pack, because he sent us the box that had the gizmo in. Yeah. And obviously you get all the kind of paraphernalia with it. Um, We've also got the newspaper article which shows that the gizmo split up 10cc. Um, I mean, it obviously it was a catalyst, whether it was the sole reason for Kevin or not. I'm sure you've discussed it. In fact, I know you've discussed it. So, uh, um, there was obviously some tensions there anyway. But yeah. um, them working on the gizmo was kind of a convenient way to separate themselves from 10cc. So we've got all the gizmo stuff. Uh, we had more, but obviously I haven't got the space to show it. Mm. Um, then we've kind of got the nod to the kind of later years, um, so all the albums we've talked about on the jukebox. So you've got your bands like A Certain Ratio, Happy Mondays, Joy Division, Smiths. So we're just kind of showing how Strawberry was there for the later kind of generation of Manchester musicians. Sure. Um, how smart is Are they recorded here? They were at Yellow 2, so oh, okay. we've obviously got the nod to Yellow 2 because obviously that's important in Strawberry's history. Um, okay. So we've got a little section with a Yellow 2 tape box. Then we've got, I said earlier, that Strawberry and Yellow 2 combined. We've got the brochure when they were both one company, two separate studios, so you can see the Strawberry at the top and Yellow 2 at the bottom. Right, yes, yes. Um, there's quite a long client list there, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, so you're merging the Strawberry and the Yellow 2 client okay. list together there. That's and then true. eventually it became one studio again under the Strawberry name. Um, so what we wanted to show was the fact that Strawberry was there for these musicians, and I don't think that was often given credit. Um, mm. We've got Martin Hannett's stuff, because obviously he was important. Um, like I say, he loved Strawberry, just loved the sophistication, sure. the kind of sounds he could get. Speaking of which, tell us about the console yeah, so that's Peter. a mixing desk. Um, its link with Strawberry is that, it, well, that, that desk actually contains bits of the original Strawberry desk, because mm. obviously when they dismantled the original desk, they could reuse some of the components. Mm. Um, and Dick Swettenham would have put that together. Um, that, so that desk itself wasn't used in Strawberry, but bits of it were. Sure. Um, and then it's just a nice visual kind of item sure. to have in the case. Would that have included the lovely modules that Eric used for his DI guitar sound? Very possibly, yeah. Um, obviously the people who put it together are long since gone, but um, yeah. yeah, we'll have to get Eric to come down and have a look at it actually, and perhaps he could tell us. Yeah, we'd love that. Yeah, so would I, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> mm. And the, the tape boxes? Yeah, various tape boxes. One thing we have got a lot of is tape boxes. Um, now, obviously, the tape itself, um, whether it's survived 50, 40 years, mm. is debatable, but the tape boxes in themselves are quite nice. So we've got a variety of tape boxes, and these are the ones we've picked out. Um, so there's one there of Eric recording. Um, you can probably see the date better than me that's probably written uh, in the top corner. 87, is it 81 or 82? Yeah, I can't see from um, here, so, The Ritual, uh, your favourite. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah so... Sure. <laughs> oh, no, it's not bad. I don't mind The Ritual. don't mind The Ritual. But we had, in the in the original exhibition, we had about 10 or 11 different tape boxes, some from the late 60s. Um, we had one from the 70s, um, which was an advert for Revlon. Mm. Um, you know, I did some research about that and drew, and drew a blank, oh, I'm right, afraid. Okay. I, I contacted... 
some archive in America that had a Revlon advertising collection from yeah. the 70s. Mm. But they they didn't have any material. They even had some audio material. And I rang Revlon, and they were somewhat nonplussed by the query. I think it might be worth asking Harvey about outside projects. Well, or the other thing is we bake the tape and mm -hmm. transfer it, and let's oh, see what's on. Oh, we've got the tape. There. I thought we you must, just had the box. Well, we must have the tape somewhere. So. Mm. Wouldn't that be interesting? Um, Wouldn't it? Well, how much does it cost to bake a tape? Maybe it's not that much. No idea. I'd have to find the tape first. But let's have a look and see whether we could... Uh, that would be very interesting. That would be mm. a fascinating But project. of course, I mean, 10cc and adverts, because um, they did the Dr Pepper advert music you, for, which I have got. So, uh, not the original 10cc, so it's Eric and Graham. Okay, probably okay. around late 70s. Okay. And what's uh, the musical content? A brand new, brand new piece? It is, yeah. So okay. they're singing about Dr Pepper. We've got a bit of artwork there, um, a, a tape, a cassette with the Smiths, and that was done by Horace Panther, who was in the specials, um, right. and now does art. So he'd done that piece of art. So again, the museum paid for that to go in. We've got a nice cross stitch in the corner as well. So that's the whole group that we picked out, various people who recorded at Strawberry. The final bit of the um, gallery is devoted to the Unknown Pleasures album and in particular the photographic images because mm. um, in 1979 after they'd finished recording Unknown Pleasures they were in Strawberry but the music press interest was growing mm. so Sounds sent up Dave McCulloch the journalist to actually oh, yeah. interview Joy Division and he was accompanied by a photographer called Paul Slattery and Paul took what I think are the iconic pictures of Joy Division. Now he didn't photograph them in the studio, that would have been quite easy, um, but he reluctantly persuaded them to come outside and he actually took photographs in the streets around Strawberry. Mm. Um, so you've, you've got some lovely images of them on cobbled streets with the cooling tower and the mills in the background, Yeah. Um, or at the top of Waterloo Road. So the museum purchased four numbered framed prints so these are number one of a limited edition of 25. So we've got four of those. Um, Great iconic shots. Oh, they are, yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, for Stockport historians, they're interesting because they show bits of Stockport. Um, but for Joy Division fans, and last week when this gallery was opened, we started it with a book launch because Paul Slattery has produced a book which he brings together the photo shoot for the first time ever. Mm. That's on sale in the museum. Um, the museum are going to sell it online as well so mm. you can purchase the book of Joy Division photo shoot um, and Paul came along to launch that in fact has been down twice because he came when the temporary exhibition was on and did a talk for us as well fascinating as he explained how reluctant Joy Division were to go around the streets of Stockport but he persuaded them so they are smiling on some of them but uh, <laughs> not on all of them but, well uh, Peter Hook is yeah um, so uh, that's the kind of end bit of the gallery. That's superb. I mean, considering this is a small space, Peter, there's so much but, here. I mean, what's interesting is 20 years ago when I started doing my PhD, the museum had nothing on strawberry, and I persuaded them that they should have at least one case, and in that case was one T-shirt, one tape box, and the brochure for the studio. Um, and then that grew, so then they realised the kind of importance of mm. strawberry to the region. 
and the town um, and they then expanded it to one bigger case which was that one originally mm. then we put on the exhibition two years ago and then it's, at least it's grown into yeah. this so I think it yeah, kind of yeah. does symbolise the importance of the studio yeah so. good man yeah on behalf of all Tensor City fans and Strawberry fans we'd like to thank you for all that work you put in thank well, you We've walked about a mile from the museum and uh, Peter's, Peter's given us a, a trip down uh, his memory lanes. Uh, we're, we're standing literally under the, the blue plaque at 3 Waterloo Road. And under the flight path as you can hear. Yeah, yes, absolutely, and, and more on that later. Uh, you, you've got a, a few bits of trivia for us, haven't you, in terms of where we are and, and yeah. who played locally? Um, so we're across the road from a nice green embankment and in the 60s at the top of that embankment was a very long thin building it was actually sergeant pepper's nightclub um, played host to people like Jimi hendrix who played at various places in the town so stockport has got quite a big musical history even if you take strawberry out of the equation hmm. and, and, and what's sergeant pepper's now it's an empty space there's nothing there so um, it got knocked down so um but before it was Sergeant Pepper's, it was called the Tabernacle, which again was another club. So Stockport mm. was uh, full of nightclubs. There were things like the Sinking Ship in the centre of town, mm. uh, at which various bands would come and play. So mm. uh, a big musical history in the town. Sure. And just down the road from where that club once stood is the now boarded up uh, Waterloo Pub. Yeah, that's right. So that was the watering hole of many a band who came into Strawberry. Um, they would go across the road. There was even talk that Martin Hannett had his phone line into the building. Um, might be a, a made-up story, but he did spend a fair bit of time or people would go and get him a drink from over there. But bands did, would go to the Waterloo after recording. Yeah, or during, by the sound <laughs> of it. <laughs> yeah. So if we... we... Should we go around the, the, uh, the back yeah. of the studio? Yeah. So this bus stop was the bus stop at which Paul McCartney famously serenaded a couple by sitting on either on that step or that step, not sure which, one night when he was recording and he serenaded a couple who were stood at the bus stop. So, uh, Do we know what he sang? No idea. We were going to run a bit for the exhibition, were you the people who were serenaded by Paul McCartney, but we never got around to it for some reason. This building, Peter, is, is still in use now and it's, uh, it's, it's owned by a publishing company? That's right, so Mondial Publishing own the building. They've um, expanded and taken over some of the buildings that were next to the original Strawberry building. So for me, it's wonderful just, just standing here. OK, we, we, we're not at this stage allowed in the building, but we're, we're hoping we can wangle <laughs> that. Yep. But uh, given what we've been up to, Paul, in the last... 16, 17 hours worth of, of our home recording, reliving so many of those magical moments from Strawberry, really only just dipping our toe into what was produced in the studio. It just uh, fills me with awe, really. And uh, I'm really interested, Peter, just to hear your thoughts, particularly with the consequences coming out again in a couple of days' time. Yeah. What are your thoughts on, on where it sits? Are you with me that it's... Strawberry's recording masterpiece? 
it's one of the most interesting pieces yeah. that was recorded there. Um, obviously, I still associate it with splitting 10cc up, so there's okay. a bit of mixed emotion there. But um, in terms of how it was recorded and what it was doing, because the gizmo was born out of 10cc's time and space in Strawberry. So the gizmo started life as just a bit of rubber on the end of a drill mm. or an electric toothbrush um, just being pressed against strings. Yeah. But that was because 10cc had the time and the space in Strawberry to experiment. Mm. So the gizmo was born out of Strawberry, in my mind. So the fact it came to record and some of the stories behind its recording kind of make it perhaps, I won't say Strawberry's finest hour, because I think you need a bit of commercial success mm. in my book to make that kind of cream on the cake kind of thing. Mm. Um, but some of the stories about how it was recorded, so the fireworks being taken to a local park and recording some fireworks that um, Kevin Loll and Peter Tattersall had picked up from standard fireworks in Liverpool, I think it was, mm. um, not knowing what they were, and they lit one and it must have been like an industrial type firework and it set off the loudest bang and all the lights came on and people came flooding out wondering what was going on. So stories like that and the shoveling sand down Strawberry Steps. I mean, you're not going to get stories like that for any other album recorded at Strawberry. So uh, um, yeah, one of its finest moments. I will agree with you on that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And have you ordered your copy? I haven't done yet, but yeah. um, I'm sure I'll get around to buying it. But um, I'm kind of spending my time trying to locate old strawberry records on vinyl through charity shops so um I, but i will be getting it yes so. sure sure yeah it's interesting what you're saying about the the, the original original gizmo you know the, yeah, yeah. the the electric toothbrush the drill and so on as a, an archivist where do we first hear it do you think on record i'm not fishing by the way here mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just um, i'm just interested have we got have we got any recorded evidence that isn't on a released record. I mean, the re or, or even on a released. Well, record. I suppose you've got the early 10cc, um, so it appears on sheet music. Yeah, um, yeah. Because Sean, you think it appears on the, Old the Wild original Men. album? Yeah, and I, probably I, does I on think the it's on think, Johnny I think, Don't I, Do I, It, I but I don't hear yeah, it. Yeah, because string sounds sound a bit too pristine and, and stringy to yeah. be and a kind of an early gizmo. And you thought you detected it on Ships Don't Disappear, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I only, I only associate it with the second album, Sheet Music Onwards, um, yeah. and obviously Gizmo My Way. Um, but you're right, maybe they've been experimenting. I think we need Kevin and Lowell to kind of confirm one way or the other definitively. We um, do. But certainly from Sheet Music Onwards, you can hear it all the time mm. on 10cc records. Yeah. Sure. Um, what's the cream of Strawberry's output for you? I mean, let's... What I'm not in love aside, yeah. What, what else do you really admire from from what these chaps put out? Well, for me, the definitive strawberry track is Wall Street Shuffle. Okay. Um, I think it's kind of 10cc at their best, kind of quirky subject matter, brilliant playing, brilliant production. Um, plus, it was recorded at the same time. Obviously, it's off sheet music, but that would have been the time when McCartney was in the other 12 hours so in terms of strawberry history anything from sheet music but for me personally wall street shuffle is kind of 10 cc at their best mm. nice one we'd uh, all three of us would remortgage the house wouldn't we just have been a fly on the wall absolutely in those sessions. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so what i'm looking for as an archivist 
I mean, obviously we get the sound output of Strawberry, so you've got all the records. And I'm still discovering new records that I didn't know were recorded in Strawberry, but to find photos... I mean, one thing Peter Tattersall says to me is, we could have taken photos of everyone who came in, but we didn't because we were just working we yeah. weren't it wasn't we weren't thinking about the kind of bigger they picture they weren't thinking about making history were fact, they, they, yeah, they getting were just, on with their job they were just doing it was it. a job yeah in fact peter made the point don't take photographs don't ask for autographs because we're not starstruck we're here doing a job for these people they're clients mm. um so it'd be great though there were more photographs and videos within the studio so on the strawberry 50 website there is the film of city recording with 10cc which is quite nice yeah and i'm sure there must be other news programs of people who visited strawberry mm -hmm. um, which i still have to discover um we'll have to leave that in your capable hands you I can think, do please. that yes i'll let you know if i find anything so don't worry brilliant I think, I think consequences is speaking to us because the heavens are just uh, <laughs> the downpour starting. Unusually for Stockport, it's raining. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody <laughs> check the date, it's not April the 17th. <laughs> no. it not be anyway. yeah. All right. Peter, thanks so much for Thank your time you. today. Pleasure. It's been fascinating. Thank you very much. been listening to the consequences podcast produced by paul mcnulty and sean mccreevy thanks for listening